0: Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Friday, November 17th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. St. Louis is examining ways to repay black residents for decades of racial discrimination the former Evanston, Illinois, councilwoman who helped roll out the country's first payments for reparations, says St. Louisans should continue the fight.
1: If the city cannot designate a reparations funding or find a new revenue source and commit it to reparations, then they have not given the type of real
0: actionable commitment. Robin Rue-Simmons speaks with St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson in just a few minutes. Two transgender boys are suing the University of Missouri for ceasing to provide gender-affirming health care. As Noah Taborda reports, they argue the decision is unconstitutional. The university announced in August it would no longer provide puberty blockers and hormones to minors for gender transition. This followed a new Missouri law banning transgender minors from beginning gender-affirming care, although a provision allows those already receiving treatment to continue doing so. The Boone County adolescents allege halting transgender minors' prescriptions is discrimination based on sex and disability status. The boy's attorney says gender dysphoria is a disability because it is, quote, a physical impairment that substantially limits major life activities. The university told the Missouri Independent that its attorneys are reviewing the lawsuit but have no comment. I'm Noah Taborda. Missouri is revoking a Franklin County company's license to make marijuana products. Delta Extraction was at the center of a recall involving items Missouri says were not in compliance with state regulations. The Robertsville-based company has denied allegations that it illegally imported marijuana. Officials say they brought in a hemp product that's not a federally controlled substance. The license will be revoked next month. Delta Extraction will likely appeal. Ameren might request a new rate hearing in Illinois. The Illinois Commerce Commission cut increase requests from several utilities, including Ameren, by between 25 and 50 percent. It also limited new infrastructure spending and forced revisions to low-income discounts. The rate increases will take effect in January. Ameren, Illinois, says at this point, costs this winter should be similar to last year. Children in Missouri will soon be able to stay on government-sponsored health insurance for a whole year. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah reports children on Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program will keep their coverage for 12 months starting January 1st, even if their family's status changes.
1: Missouri offers health insurance funded by federal and state programs to children from low-income families. Eligibility is based on family income. In the past, if a parent's income changes, their child could become ineligible. Caitlin Whaley is a spokeswoman for the state's Department of Social Services, which administers CHIP and Medicaid to Missouri patients. She says the change will mean healthier kids and less stress on families. Making sure they have that continuous coverage um, really allows folks to plan and implement plans to keep their kids well instead of um, just treating them when they're sick. The coverage requirement was written into the 2023 federal spending bill. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio.
0: Illinois and Missouri are receiving failing grades from an international organization fighting sex trafficking. Shared Hope International's annual report card gives grades in areas including identifying and responding to victims and access to justice for survivors. Even with those failing grades, both states are in the second tier overall. The organization gave Fs to 32 states. Illinois and Missouri improved slightly from 2022. Missouri scored well in tools for a victim-centered response in the justice system, but poorly in prevention and training. Illinois scored well for its criminal provisions, but received a low score for its continuum of care. Unionized Starbucks workers in St. Louis are demanding a fair contract and calling out staffing issues. Many joined thousands of national partners yesterday in a one-day strike. St. Louis Public Radio's Lucretia Wembley attended a gathering of union members in Tower Grove. Shut it down.
1: About 30 Starbucks workers from eight unionized storefronts in the St. Louis region say they're tired of the company's refusal to bargain. Griffith Moore, a barista at a Starbucks in Ladue, says short staffing is one of many issues, especially on promotional days, like Thursday's Red Cup Day, where customer traffic is high.
0: You know, I'm getting paid as one barista to do the job of three to four baristas, which is exhausting.
1: Corporate leaders at Starbucks accused union reps of refusing to confirm dates for proposed bargaining sessions. Administrative law judges found the coffee giant has broken the law hundreds of times. I'm Lucretia Wembley, St. Louis Public Radio.
0: Some community members and former volunteers at KDHX in St. Louis are suing the nonprofit radio station. The legal filing centers on a volunteer group's representation on the station's board of directors. It alleges the station violated bylaws and how it chose the board. The group wants to replace members with people it selected earlier this year. The lawsuit follows the removal of a dozen DJs, several others quit in solidarity. KDHX leaders say many volunteers no longer at the station resisted change, including efforts to recruit a more diverse group of volunteers and employees. St. Louis Reparations Commission members are nearing the end of their listening sessions with the black community. They are preparing recommendations for Mayor Tashara Jones that would address repair for racial discrimination. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson spoke with Robin Sue Simmons, the former Evanston, Illinois, alderwoman who helped roll out the country's first payments for reparations.
1: First of all, black folks don't really trust anything that the government is doing. Many black people just dismiss it as lip service it's not going to happen and so on. And so we had, you know, respectable turnout for our process. But relative to the subject matter, the opportunity and the harm, you know, we should have had standing room only. And it wasn't until we started giving out checks and benefits that we were hearing from residents like, wow, I really wish I would have applied. I wish I would have participated and so on. And so now we have proven that reparations is attainable, possible. And I believe that um, going forward, you know, other cities and our own should start to see an increase in participation because what they thought was would never happen is happening. I want to kind of go now to some of the things that are needed um, for cities to kind of get the ball rolling for reparations. I knew that reparations was in line with the values that we were expressing as a city at that time with racial equity being one of our core values as a city. So using reparations not so much as a political agenda, but as a legislative possibility for us to be true to who we say we value. And that is done through policy and budgets at a municipal level. And so the case that I presented was in line with everything that we said we valued. And we passed it with overwhelming support in 2019. And I think one of the main things that folks always bring up is just like, where are you all going to get this money to make this huge payment out to Black St. Louisans? So how did you all come up with the $10 million? So we came up with the $10 million um, as a seed, And so that's not any type of scientific calculation on what it will take to repair, it was a seed to begin this complicated work. So we were informed fully in our process by the Black community. Um, There were recommendations of a reparations tax, but it was my colleague, Ann Rainey, she said the cannabis tax. And so I quickly asked our police chief for a report on our policing as it relates to marijuana. And that's when I got that report back. 71% of the arrests were in the black community. We were 15%. I'm like, yes, there's no better use for this revenue than reparations. So St. Louis mayor created a volunteer reparations fund uh, back in spring of 2022, where the residents can contribute to this fund by adding money to their property tax bills, or their quarterly water bill. And they were able to start contributing to that November, 2022. So talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts are on volunteer reparations fund. And is this even a good strategy? We have that as a recommendation too. And I can agree with that as an option to supplement a budget line item commitment. Like the city of St. Louis budget is a moral document. It tells you the values of the city. If the city cannot designate a reparations funding or find a new revenue source or identify one existing and commit it to reparations, then they have not given the type of real actionable commitment that I would hope to see from municipalities.
0: That was Evanston, Illinois, activist Robin Sue Simmons speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson. Our Brian Moline edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt.